Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good afternoon, or good morning, good evening. Uh, like the Truman <laughs> Show, whatever time you're listening to this show or this podcast. Uh, this is another week of Dubai Works, and this week I'm very happy to be joined by a friend, uh, Maha. Uh, Maha is the chief, Maha Geber, Maha Abdulanin, if I'm pronouncing it right. Maha Bulanin, that's pretty good. Oh, you're much better. Okay. I really need to work on my phonetics in Arabic. Arabic is great, <laughs> uh, trust me. Uh, so, Mars. Okay, anyway, you are now the chief value officer for Gary Vaynerchuk and EVP of business development for VaynerX. Uh, that is, you're responsible for PR and communications for the Gary Vaynerchuk brand, as well as strategic high-level development relationships and business development um, across VaynerX and Gary Vaynerchuk. You're, you're, at the moment, you're, we're dialing in, you're calling from the US, but you're based between the UAE uh, and the USA. Uh, and as I know, and uh, as people who know you as well, you've had an illustrious career, mainly in this region, working with brands like Netflix, Kareem, which is now Uber, uh, Deezer, uh, and you were also served as the head of global communications and public policy for Google Mina. Uh, so yeah. yeah, a lot there, and that's probably just touching the surface. <laughs> uh, welcome, Thank and you. thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me today. So uh, I miss I'll be back soon. Yeah, you got out just before. You were one of the last yeah. people out, I think, in March. March 15th. March 16th. Yeah. Uh, where are you now? You're in Minnesota? I'm in Minnesota. So I was born and raised here in Minnesota. And uh, right when everything started uh, happening during the pandemic, I'm like, I really want to be with my family during this time. And so my sister lives here. So I'm in quarantine with my family in Minnesota, uh, right outside of Minneapolis. Okay. So what, what have the where can we start? What have the, what have the last few months been like? Well, it's been interesting. I mean, first of all, we've learned to pivot in ways we didn't know we were capable of, like, right? Understanding like how to work remotely, putting together your home work from home routine. And we learned that we're super productive. We learned how to communicate. I was having a call yesterday with some colleagues at Vayner and we were saying that we've met more people virtually through working on Zoom and Hangouts than we probably would have been through the halls of the office because we're working with LA and Singapore and London and even in New York, Vayner at Media has several different offices. So, you know, Long Island City and stuff like that and Hudson Yard. So we're able to kind of communicate and collaborate more. So I think it's taught us the, the value of the internet. It's taught us the value of, you know, communicating through different platforms and how we can just adopt our lifestyles, have birthdays and graduations and working and meetings and, and, and really using, you know, the internet to connect in ways that we didn't think were possible besides social media. And I think now we're seeing like the value proposition of Zoom through business and how intimate it is and how personal it can be. And so that's been kind of the big thing for me is just kind of adapting to this um, this way of working, I think, remotely. And how do you network 
through online and how do you do business development through online? Mm. So it's just learning to use new muscles that we didn't really know that we had. And, and to be honest with you, I'm like super grateful. Everyone's healthy and everyone's, you know, in my family at least is, is doing well. And we really need to focus on people first. Like, how are you doing? How are you coping being under quarantine and, and thinking about the human side of business first, before we talk about the, you know, the business results and how we're performing, we have to make sure we feel safe and we feel healthy. And so it's been an interesting time. And um, I'm really grateful for it, to be honest with you. I think it's taught us a lot about ourselves and a lot about each other and really what really matters when it comes down to it. Yeah, you sound very positive after everything, uh, which is good. I think it's, it's, I think you're right. People have reflected and people have made the most out of it. But it must have been, you must have gone straight into quarantine there and then of course, all the social and justice issues came up, especially in in the in the state that you're in. Um, you know, outside of work for for a moment, how has what has that been like? We've we've seen it covered uh, in the media here, but what was it? Yeah. What's the the mood or the atmosphere like in the U.S. for the last uh, month or so? change is going to happen. It's not necessarily, it's not something we're just going to talk about anymore. Like there's a before George Floyd and after George Floyd. And I think it was a sea change moment that people woke up, everybody woke up. And now it's like, we have more information now. What are we going to do with it? And now that we have this information, like we live in the information age for us to ignore the information that's available to us is, is on us to make that change happen. Mm. So I think it's been here, it's been emotional. Like my Minneapolis looked reminiscent of scenes from Cairo. It's like protests and tear gas. The first couple of days were quite scary. Like, you know, businesses were were looted and fires were taking place and there was a lot of violence. And, and then the protesters were being peaceful and trying to really express their, um, their right to, you know, protest. That's a human right that everybody has. And so I think now the situation in Minneapolis is, is, is not, um, it's not as uh, violent or scary as it was before. I mean, now they're looking at policy change, you know, they're looking at how they can make sure that they look at the policies of the police. Obviously everybody's wants them to be accountable for what happened, but it was murder in broad daylight. Everybody saw it, you know, you couldn't help but be moved by the situation. And then, make you think inwards about all the things that you are saying or doing that you don't know have an impact on other people and how black lives matter is because there are their lives that are in danger. And what are we doing to make sure that we are, you know, being more inclusive in terms of all people um, at the office and at work and in interactions. And, you know, you seek what you find, like you, what you're looking for. So what are you looking for? Are you looking to extend a hand? Are you looking to, for more equity. And so really just for me, I've been learning so much about it and reading up and listening to audiobooks and starting to follow voices I didn't used to follow before. I need to educate myself. And I believe that every company had that conversation in their office. Mm. Like what are we doing to, you know, to include more people and how can we make sure we're, we're not part of the problem and that we're extending our hand to really elevate ourselves as well. We'll talk later about communications and crisis. And I think, you know, we could talk at length on this topic about how brands reacted. But from a kind of cultural diversity in the workplace point of view, um, this seems to be like racial uh, diversity. Uh, and but in the past, we've had movements like the Me Too movement, which was a lot about gender 
uh, and different things like that. Do you think in the US and in your role, which is, uh, you know, at C-suite level at, at one of the leading digital and communications businesses in the world, uh, do you think that, that that's a, a sign that we've moved on? Would that role have been available to you or someone in your position 10 years ago? Um, and uh, how do you think that's related to the, the Black Lives Matter movement as well in terms of action? For my role at Vayner? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I'm, you know, Gary is, is one who's inclusive of all um, races and people. Like, I am the first Arab American to be put in this position. Um, and, and really creating the role of a chief value officer was something that I really believed in because I want to, my whole life in DNA has been about creating value for other people. Like, what's the value equation? It's not what's valuable to me, it's what's invaluable to you. And like, creating value through relationships, through press, through business, you know, anything I can do to add value to the organization. Mm -hmm. And, and it wasn't, um, we are hiring her because she's Egyptian. <laughs> it was, we are hiring her because she has skills and adds value to our organization and has really, you know, had a career that has experiences that can add value to the company. Mm. And, and, and that's why I believe, you know, I, I'm in this position today. I think one of the reasons um, that, you know, one of the big, I think, outcomes of, of the Black Lives Matter, um, you know, movement today, which is different than other issues that have happened before, is it's caused everyone to think about, you know, how are we making sure we have the right representation? How are we doing on equity? You know, what conversations should we be having as a business? How does this fit our values? How do we make sure we're living our values? Um, I think, you know, as a brand and as a company who's thinking about their communications when it comes to times like this, like it, it's not enough to have a generic statement. Mm. Like, you really need to think about what are the actions that you will be living every day and not just in terms of communicating internally to your employees and like making sure that you have the right people hired at the company, but making sure that your policies like vendors and suppliers and, you know, what businesses are you supporting and how are you, you know, awarding those contracts to other uh, vendors or partners and, and looking at the holistic, you know, relationship that you have with uh, internal and external partners. Do, what do you think of the Middle East on these topics? Do you think uh, there's the issue is as prevalent as it is in the U.S. in your experience, and yeah, definitely it is definitely it's universal. It's universal. Like even you know, and I could say this because I'm Egyptian American, and like even for me to be you know a minority amongst people who are not Muslims in the United States, it, you you have to educate people and you have to have the conversations like what is Ramadan and what do you know? Not all Muslims are terrorists. Like you know, having those conversations even in the Middle East, even in the Middle East around people who don't look like you or who people who don't act like you, and you know how are you? extending a hand to make sure you're learning first, listening first, and leaning into having conversations about race, even in the Arab world, which I think it matters just as much as it does in the U.S. or in Europe or any other country around the world. Hmm. I, maybe, you know, if we were talking about gender, I, w I would agree because we can look across, you know, even for this podcast, it's harder to find C-suite level uh, females as it is males. However, from a diversity point of view, uh, if you compare the US or e even the UK and Ireland where I'm from, uh, it's by default, Dubai is more diverse. I'm not, you know, 
you know, I'm not sure if it's the same in, in, in Egypt or in, in other countries, but uh, in that sense, the portfolio of uh, staff members is going to be more diverse than in the US. Um, but I'm just wondering, is it is it because if people are people open enough to talk about these topics here as they are and debate about them in the US? And um, will we see change as well? Do you think? I think even in, in the region, especially like as a, a female founder of a business, like back in 2000, when I was working at what, you know, starting up like Weber Shandwick and working in the, in, in Egypt, like there was only one other woman that was head of a, of an ad agency. Like the conversation around having a female founder in the Middle East is more common today than it was five years ago, even. So I think it's just exposure to talent and exposure for women to feel like there's role models and mentors out there. So they can be a female founder. Like they have to see, I can do that by seeing somebody else do it. And so it's just a matter of like the more female founders we have in leadership, then the more people are going to think, oh, I can start a company too, because she did it, you know? So it's the same thing for any ethnic, you know, uh, race or any, you know, group of people that aren't being represented. So making sure that we are making room for them by setting an example. And so a lot of it is like, where are the mentors? Where are the mentors that can help? you know, be as an example for people or help coach them or help give them inspiration to do what they think they're capable of doing, but just showing them the way. Uh, yeah. So I want to ask how um, VaynerMedia do this, because if, if um, you know, the topics that we're talking about might raise their hearts in different guises in, in this region. So it might be to do with nationality and pay grades and things like that, as opposed to, um, which is similar to what's been discussed in the U.S. as well. To a degree, but you know, in VaynerMedia, as you mentioned, uh, it seems to be very diverse. And you know, uh, I've spent time in the offices as well. Uh, you know, as as you facilitated in the past, but a, a role that you have is similar to the the chief heart officer at VaynerMedia, uh, which was a role that was created. Um, and how does that role and the types of people that are in those positions? Um, encourage not just from a leadership point of view but encourage uh diversification and raise these issues from the ground up well i don't know specifics on like so the chief heart officer claude she's really responsible for like the culture and the heart of the organization so you know the people the performance team and the you know the hr role falls under under her and so they have programs that they do to you know elevate diversity and unbiased uh, unconscious bias training like there's a whole group of things and activities that the company takes place. I wouldn't be able to speak on the details, except for I know they have, you know, community resource groups, which I'm active in now, just helping, you know, elevate the conversation, develop programs, making sure it's more inclusive. So they, you know, have different, you know, resource groups that talk about um, all the activities. And it's really widely like represented in the company from leadership down to make sure that everyone's engaged in that. I think, uh, you know, my role on the chief value officer side has more to do with like, you know, creating opportunities uh, for Gary's brand, creating opportunities for communications, relationships, building sort of like on the value equation that leads to, you know, to, to business development. And so it's a very different um, role from what Claude does versus what I do. Um, I also think that, you know, this is a time where everyone is looking 
looking inward to figure out what is the right recipe for them to be successful in having a long-term program in place. So one of the things that, you know, I talked about a little bit on my podcast last week was internal communications. Like what are the internal communications infrastructures that companies have in place to make sure that they're promoting the values within the organization, regardless if they're a huge company or a small company, there's a lot of importance in making sure that your employees who are your brand ambassadors feel they know where the company stands and what they're doing. So just a different uh, a different time to elevate your internal comms game as well as your external one. Interesting. That's a nice segue. Uh, we're going to the communication side. But I think a takeout from that is that even a company with, you know, a, a thousand employees can have programs in place, uh, which, you know, people are accountable for. I think that's interesting um, on diversity, uh, which companies here maybe can learn from, including us. Uh, on the communication side of things, when when uh, work from home kicked off, you shared with me a document which I shared around to our team, which, which you know, and uh, which was all about communicating um, in this environment. Uh, so, and I know that through Digital and Savvy, you offer a, a lot of kind of material and courses on that. Um, on crisis management particularly, uh, how do you think companies have dealt with uh, coronavirus? Well, it's interesting. I think the brands ha- who did well and who waved the storm um, found a way to be useful during this time. So you can't be tone deaf and talking about what's important to you. You have to think about what's important to your customer. So pivoting your business strategies and messages from selling, selling, selling to like safety, 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 and making sure that a brand to be useful, they may have to pivot and do other things. So you saw like the Gap was making scrubs and like, you know, Louis Vuitton was switching their perfume lines to making hand sanitizer, like find a way to be useful. This is a pandemic. These things happen once every hundred years or so I hope not ever, you know, again for a long time, but like you, you, you know, your brand has to behave given the environment that it's a, that it, that's around us. And so I think the brands that did really well communicated with empathy. They communicated with authenticity. They communicated in a way that was useful for the brand where it didn't feel self-serving. Like nobody wants, you know, a, a car company to be pushing their sales when you can't get your job and you can't go to work and you can't make your day-to-day food payments. So like refinancing was a good message for them. Like we're going to get you through the tough times. Like just making sure that what you were talking about is appropriate in a crisis to make sure that you're not tone deaf to what the audience is 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 experiencing and living through day to day is it is it a fine line you know sometimes people put something out and it's really well received uh and then sometimes someone might put the same message out how how from a communications strategy point of view do you gauge that sentiment do do you read the room in this sort of very noisy room that we're all in gary gary talks about this all the time the context is everything Like you have to have the right context for your message, you know, making sure that you understand your audience really well. So how do you do that? A lot of people think communications is about you putting something out. The big step about communications is listening first, listening to the audience, reading the room, looking up the hashtags, understanding sentiment, understanding what people care about, listening first. Before you start having a conversation, you need to listen to see what the conversation's about and then find out where you, your voice belongs in that conversation. 
I think one of the things that a lot of companies are quick to do is they want to quickly like over communicate or overreact because they feel the need to do something. Mm. Well, you might do something that's not the right step for you. So being mindful, be thoughtful about what you want to say. Is it purpose driven? Does it lean into your values? Is it consistent with how you normally communicate? Is what you're saying consistently externally is what you tell your employees internally, just making sure like you're just really looking at communications, like having good communication skills now more than ever is one of the most important things you need to focus on. How do you communicate online? How do you communicate through your personal brand? How do you communicate as a company? And how do you communicate internally? Like there's, there's no longer a nice to have that someone in the company will be in charge of communications. Communications is everybody's business. Mm. What do you think of uh, statements of, from companies during crisis that they try and be empathetic and they try and come out with something that hits the tone right and then it it drags up skeletons in the closet for example they might say this is what we believe black lives matter we support it and then some staff say well you don't and here's 10 years of bad treatment or um you know how come out transparency it'll come out like that's why you, you have to be very careful what you say because it'll it it'll come out like if a company is a hero brand but not a hero company it, the employees will 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 speak up i think that's that's clear yeah, yeah i mean it's, it's not something that you can kind of hide anything under the rug like everyone's filming everything now so like anything that if a company is not being consistent they'll they'll call it out customers will call it out so um, people let go, made redundancies during this period all over the world. Uh, some of them, uh, like Uber did in the US and Kareem did here, and how they responded was very well received. Do you think that was a masterclass in leadership or a masterclass in, in communications or both? It was a masterclass in empathy. Okay. To be honest with you, like how to let go of people during a time of crisis and do it with dignity, like making sure you stand them up to have, you know, a financial package that you make sure that you are taking care of them. You're showing your appreciations. You let them go with dignity. You plan with them their exits. Like, I mean, I don't know specifically. I just saw some people on LinkedIn that I know that were working there that left, but like it was classy the way that Kareem did it in a way that made people feel like they're going to go onward and do other things. And, and Kareem was a big part of their career and was making sure that they were always part of that family. I agree. And it's been great. You know, that you can feel the kind of community and the spirit within that organization from the outside here. So, and I know you worked closely with them, so it seems really well managed. However, <laughs> in the, in the U S there's this, um, uh, kind of uprising on, you know, gig workers rising and, uh, you know, against sort of tech and taxes and that sort of this new regulation in California. That doesn't seem to have come up in the surface during this time in this region. Do you think, why do you think it's not related or how, how do you think these things are, are different? Wait, I'm not familiar with that. Can you give me a background? Sorry. It's just that, um, you know, the, I guess uh, the kind of gig economy, uh, has a lot of people uh, who are who aren't uh, full employees, and there's new regulation coming in place uh, in, in the US, but it doesn't seem to uh, be an issue over here. It doesn't seem to be as in the forefront. Uh, is or, or is it or is it is it that it's communicated differently? 
Yeah, like I have, like I haven't seen it splash here in my in my in okay. Minnesota in my market, and I'm actually a big consumer of news, so I haven't seen much of it. But I don't know, like especially in the UAE, you know, platforms like Kareem, you know. I find them diversifying. Like now they're focusing on food delivery or yeah. helping the Kareem now, like push that, like, you know, that's a good example of using your business to, to focus on what people matter, want the most. Like people aren't using Kareem to get around in cars, but they are using the app to get their food delivered to them and how you can kind of be more useful and share the services that may mean the most to them. Um, the gig economy was never going to go away. I think it's just going to continue. It's just, it's going through a version of adaptation to what's happening in the market. Um, you know, food delivery, cloud kitchens are huge right now and they're going to continue to grow. Like all of the new businesses that emerged based from the coronavirus pandemic, like, you know, curbside delivery, companies having to create apps to order things and pick up and like they didn't have that before. In, you know, e-commerce, Vayner does a ton of work in this space right mm -hmm. now. Like, and, and how do you make sure that you have, you know, omni-channel, which means you're present on different channels and that you're really actively, you know, on websites and you have application and you have in-store. How do you take a business or a brand like in the UAE, like a Shalub, which is like huge, like, and how do you make sure that you have all of those brands and products available that you can purchase with the click of your phone? Um, we saw Noom, uh, Noon in the UAE, you know, j launched food delivery, you know, during the pandemic and, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> What's it? It's called Now Now. Yeah. Now Now. Yeah. So it's like the noon daily or something like that. Anyways, you can get your daily okay. grocery, like just pivoting in a, in a way that just like what do people care, customers care about the most? They care about getting food delivered, medicine delivered, that type of thing, like in creating that, that demand around, you know, the, the products that people need. Like I've seen surges in Saudi, like, you know, all the customers, they have so many orders that they just, everyone wants things delivered to their house. And it was very common in the region to do food delivery for the last 20 years. Like they've been doing food delivery and like McDonald's and Egypt and stuff. And now it's like, last mile logistics, supply chain. How do you really build your business to make sure that you're innovating in the ways that customers really need? the kind of branding side of things. Uh, what is personal branding? What's, what's your definition? Well, people, people think that personal branding is about self-promotion. It's actually about leadership, right? If you are, if you have a, you have an account online, you're a personal brand, right? Everything you say is a message about yourself, something you're passionate about, you know? So thinking about your personal brand is something that I'd love everyone to think twice about like what kind of content are you passionate about sharing uh what kind of topics do you think you can talk about endlessly and be passionate about and not get sick of talking about you know how, what is the right way for you to think about your personal brand do you enjoy writing and so you want to write blogs do you enjoy voice do you want to do a podcast do you enjoy videos and so you want to create something on youtube or something on instagram that's just more your you know straight to camera it doesn't have to be overproduced and well done in fact you know we're seeing like in the news industry today like everyone's like doing their broadcasts from their home in their kitchen kids are coming in the scenes dogs are walking on the set i don't know if you saw serena williams did something live with her husband and she had these shows she does on saturdays and all of a sudden you can hear the pitter patter of the dog coming into the room and then the dog sat where you couldn't see him on the camera and then the dog got out it was just like it's just more authentic it's like how we live like we get to see you know, people in their homes without makeup and hair and like just 
the real deal. And so I think that's the thing about the personal brand that's, you know, exciting to see evolve, especially during times of COVID and how people are thinking about what stories they want to tell, how do they want to tell them and using the internet to, to really build their brands. If you're passionate about yoga or photography or cooking, or you're really into, you know, whatever you're, you know, pottery making, like the things that you're passionate about and you want your brand to be known for are things that people should lean into and really create um, content around that. So uh, on your personal brand and the, the, your company, Digital and Savvy, what choices have you made? Uh, you mentioned the podcast because obviously there's, um, there's a limited time in the day. There's limited things that we can do. Um, what choices have you made from medium point of view and from content point of view? What have you decided that's important? So Digital Savvy is not a company. It's a platform. So when I actually was thinking about my personal brand, I'm like, what do I want to talk about outside? Like, what is the one thing that I love so much? It's communications. Like, and my mission in life is to help people communicate better. So I wanted to create a platform, something where I can put out content. It's going to be a blog. Is it going to be a podcast? And so I really looked at myself. I'm like, I don't really like doing a lot of things on camera. I don't really want to have to worry about a video and production and music and lights and, you know, filming and memory cards. And I, I tried filming and I would always mess it up. So I really love voice. It's frictionless. I can do it anywhere, anytime. I'm a huge listener of podcasts. So I decided that I would build my personal brand around my podcast and communications for writing articles mm. and uh, which I, cause I love to write and doing a podcast. So that's what fit for me. It might be something else for somebody else. Like they only want to do video. So really thinking about what is it that makes you feel comfortable and then do that. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, related to this, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, so you, 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 we mentioned at the start, your role there, how good is Gary at personal branding? You've worked with many of many many famous people uh, on the speaking sec, uh, circuit and also in leadership figures. And even your first job was with one of the leading uh, <laughs> Najib Suarez. Is that yeah, Najib Suarez? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, you've worked with I, I can't. I know most powerful people. Most yeah, powerful yeah. People, many many people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like Gary is a is, is a good storyteller. Like he's very authentic. He has the camera on all the time. He's not a different person on the camera, behind the camera. He just is always on. So that level of transparency all the time gives you unlimited freedom. Like he's just it's liberating for him to have the you know documenting everything that's happening. He's not creating content. He's not putting on a show. He's actually just documenting his life as a CEO. What does he do? How does he advise people? How does he talk to entrepreneurs? Um, so his personal brand is is basically based on him and his style, and he's unapologetic about any of it. So like if his hair sticking up or if his shirt sticking out, like he just wants to be his authentic self, and that's what makes him such a powerful brand. Is people really feel that they know him and his style and his message and you know he's very consistent from you know gary's really like it's funny for me to be i've been working with him for a couple of years now but like he, he has a video like he'll show us from like i don't know 10 years ago he's saying the same thing he says today like it's like, wow, you were that consistent that long ago. Or like he predicted, you know, Joe Rogan would be getting a podcast deal for $100 million like last year. Like it's like weird, like consistent 
of how he sees things and how he predicts things. He's not Nostradamus, like he's not sitting in front of crystal ball, but he just like understands patterns. He has really good pattern recognition. He knows where audience attention is going. Like he's been pushing TikTok long before anybody knew what TikTok was, mm. right? Yeah. And now it's such explosive growth. Like every time he talked to all of us, like, where's your TikTok channel? Are you guys on TikTok? <laughs> You talk to all these youth, are you on TikTok? Get on TikTok. And like now TikTok is having a huge moment. And a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't dance. I don't want to be on TikTok dancing. Gary's not on TikTok dancing. No, he did, he, he, he did he, that. It, yeah. What did he do? Tell us recently on TikTok. Oh, he did this unbelievable. He For 12 hours, he was live on TikTok. I, is that he possible? Raised- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for him, it was possible. <laughs> wow. like, it, he did. He raised $2.3 million for food charities that go to people who are, you know, in need during COVID because a lot of families or, you know, kids get their meals through schools. And so no kid hungry and meals on wheels. And there was like four different charities that they were benefiting to make sure that they could, you know, put money into these charities and organizations to feed more families. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, $2.3 million he raised. Like there's a really cool thing that TikTok has where like you're doing a live and then they'll put like a little treasure chest and you click it during like they open it every hour and it's like free money. And so it's like coins drop and you get to raise money for a charity. So, and he had different celebrities come in and out and TikTokers and just regular people who wanted to ask questions to Gary about entrepreneurship entrepreneurship and so it's been super fun to see um how he's adapting also his brand during this time to like do more things that are live he has a morning show every day now that he didn't have before so it's like also innovating on his brand you know he does this thing called tea with gary v and so every morning for an hour or two he'll spend time taking calls from entrepreneurs and asking questions and have a cup of tea with him in the morning and it's pretty fun wow so I think like on personal branding and, and giving value, there seems to be an overlap because personal branding in a way uh, is selfless. You're, you're not charging for a lot of the content you're putting out there. So some of the value that, you know, you that you invest in your personal brand and also Gary, um, you can't measure it. You can't measure that charitable donation in many levels. But on the other side, you can measure some of it. So do you, the business model around uh, personal branding, whether it's conferences and speaking and and books and things like that, is is that something that uh, is that something that that he's kind of um, uh, innovated in as well? Yeah, I mean, he, he he obviously has a he has a business that helps people build their personal brands, like create content, create TV shows, you know, helping with book deals, booking you for speaking gigs, um, helping create all the content that you want. Like, don't create the same piece of content on TikTok that obviously you put on LinkedIn. Like, you know, building your personal brand and your expertise in your area is a, a method of business development, mm. right? It helps create top of the funnel. So if you're more aware of your expertise in your area, you're going to pull more media. And that's why my role at VaynerMedia is value and business development. I do both together. So like we create value for Gary's brand, for the company, for the business. So people know that we are experts in uh, e-commerce. We're experts in TikTok. We can help do creative and and media for your brands on the digital and and creative side of marketing. And once you create your thought leadership and your awareness that, oh, this is a company that understands how to do esports and gaming, then from business development standpoint, people know you're the company that can come to do that piece of business or to help grow revenue for them in that area. So it's a yin and the yang but it's both it's that that's the 
I think of things um, like kind of all terms revenue, all things revenue, like creating press, it generates revenue for your business because it increases your visibility. It increases your shareholder value. It increases your reputation. It, it brings awareness to your business and brand. So doing PR and communications is a pivotal part of your business development strategy. It also helps with retaining uh, retaining um, talent. It helps with recruiting talent. It helps with understanding if you want to build your personal brand because you want to raise money and profile of investors, your profile for investors. Like building your personal brand is not just about, hey, I'm an expert. Look at me. I know some stuff. No, there's a business purpose behind it. There's a business reason you create your personal brand. It's because you have an expertise in something or you're passionate about something and you want to share it with the world. And the platform to do that is social media, it could be through speeches in person, it could be online through workshops, it could be many ways. Your personal brand is not just you putting posts on Instagram. It could be other things that you do online and offline to help create that brand um, in a personal way. What, what would your advice be to people now for the rest of the year around communications, whether it's personal branding or uh, company PR strategy? Um, do you think they should come? Burn. Say you got to learn. You got to learn. You have to learn how to be a better communicator. You have to learn how to use LinkedIn for business development, how to use LinkedIn to communicate to your audiences, how to use LinkedIn for, uh, you know, you know, driving business and getting customers, how to use Twitter. What are the best way to use Twitter for your business and making sure that you, if you're not on Twitter, well, what's the way I should be doing it? Like, how do you use the social media platforms, the tools that are available for free? Mm. Nobody pays for LinkedIn. Nobody pays for Instagram. Nobody pays for Facebook or Twitter or TikTok. How do you use those platforms that audiences are on to leverage your business, to build your brand? So that's the first thing is you got to learn how to communicate on social media. Second thing is, is like public speaking and knowing how to write are, are really, really important. So like being able to communicate verbally, understanding what's the best way to present your ideas. If you need to do a presentation at work, if you need to get your managers, you know, you know, let them see the work that you've been doing and, and how to, up, you know, manage up and, and share your ideas. Um, if you want to understand how to, you know, not only communicate in terms of speaking and presenting, but writing, like writing copy is one of the most important skills you need to have. Like, how do you write a caption in a few characters? How do you make sure that the copy pulls the attention of the reader? What are you doing to improve your writing skills? How are you thinking about the writing component of communications, not just the image or the video or the post that you're putting up? Um, you know, a lot of free tools are online. There's a lot of ways to get online courses to learn how to communicate from all the different types of communications that are out there. So like lean into it. Like this is something that's here to stay. Mm. Communications is not something that you're just going to need to know how to do if you're in that job. Everybody at every level in every company or in any personal brand or private business will need to know how to be a contemporary communications, you know, expert. Interesting. So even, even in 2020, if, I'm sitting here in Dubai and my business has slowed down and my personal branding or I've lost my job. Now it's not too late to open a Twitter account or start a podcast. It, it's start. never too late. This is from here to stay. Like a lot of people in, you know, Gary talks a lot about this. Like the reason why a lot of celebrities like are late to coming on social media is they don't want to have a small following to start with. Well, think about it for like a year from now. 
two years from now, you wish you would have started. Like if you don't have like, if you have 200 or 50 followers on Instagram, you're like, I have a very small audience. No one's going to look, how are you going to grow it? You're going to grow it by being consistent, by posting regularly. If you are worried about getting on TikTok because your videos might not be seen, there's so much organic growth on TikTok and on LinkedIn. So start now, like start now. Mm. Cause if you start now, six months, a year, two years from now, you'll have an audience and you'll have more traction and you're going to wish five years from now that you do, you would have started back in 2020 during the pandemic when you had time on your hands to figure out how to use these tools and you just didn't do it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. Really good. Don't note. Do it. <laughs> yeah. That, but it's just, it's just a good time to learn. Like it's yeah. a good time to like figure things out that you were always curious about, but you didn't have the time. So people aren't traveling for work. People mm. have more time than they had. Don't spend all your free time watching Netflix and watching television, you know, read some books, listen to some audio books, take some free online courses, you know, jump on some podcasts, you know, expose yourself. If you're not sure where you want to go, expose yourself to lots of ideas and lots of different things and then figure out what it is that you like. Brilliant note to finish on, Maha. Thank you so much. And I think that last point will resonate yeah. on many levels to people. So thanks a lot. Thanks for your time. And good to see you so positive many miles away. <laughs> yes, we will see you soon. Come back to Dubai. <laughs> I will be back in September, inshallah. Okay, inshallah. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Maha. Good to see you. Have a nice day. You too. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.